keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where our beautiful guests let me pepper them with questions about the details of their sex lives in an effort to understand, or at least appreciate, the wildly different and often unspoken assumptions that we each bring to sex. Our guest today is a 28-year-old cis gay male. He's into leather, water sports, and other kinks that we are going to talk about. He's a musician, and we actually went to high school together in Central California. He now lives in North Hollywood. Welcome, Brandon. Hello, Wyo. How's it going? It's going awesome. How is it to call me Wyo, by the way? Um, Strange. I had to reprogram it in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Some people do. Some people that like some of my people from the old days still call me. Like, I'm still a car. And when I go to my parents' house, they're never going to call. Or my mom did one time on my voicemail. She was like, hi, Wyo. (laughs) (laughs) Will you start off by please rating yourself on a sexual shame-o-meter with 10 being the shamiest super shame and a zero being shame-free? Oh, I'm definitely not shame-free. I will say that. Uh, Maybe a three. Let's say a three. What ways would you just, if you could just list a couple ways that your shame comes up for you right now? Oh, goodness. I think when I have to justify my kinks to other people who don't understand why I'm doing certain things, like, well, that's not traditionally in my mind what sexual is and then I kind of feel like I have to explain myself and justify it that's where the shameometer kicks in that makes so much sense I'm glad you said that too because something we've been talking about on the sex stories live streams that we do every week lately is that there's actually really no why it's sort of just is like anyone who tries to explain away their kinks we're just psychoanalyzing ourselves we don't have any research or data to back up actual whys (laughs) so can you give us just a little overview of what your sex life is like right now holding on by a thread (laughs) the quarantine (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i i do have a partner oh that i forgot to ask that for the intro okay so you have a partner (laughs) i have a long-term partner who shares one of my kinks but i am just like so kinky that we were open and i i used to have multiple partners i think this year i've had like two maybe three And it was a totally different experience because it was like, okay, quarantine, get tested, quarantine again. Like, I have to trust you to make sure you're not lying to me. It just becomes a job, you know? It is. I can so relate to that. And yeah, I three people in 2020, which I didn't know. Not the numbers are important. It's crazy. But three people used to be a night out. (laughs) 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 It's like just a party. Yeah. And I'm so glad also to hear, though, that you are being so safe because I do think that if you're going to be meeting new people, that's the way to do it. Okay, so take us back to your younger years. When do you first remember hearing about sex and what do you remember thinking and feeling about it? Ooh, okay. The first time I heard about sex was fourth grade. And I remember one of my friends, because we were going to take a a sex ed class, you know, and they had to sign the papers. We knew when it was going to happen. And one of my friends goes, oh yeah, like we're going to talk about sex. Like my mom told me that the guy puts his penis inside of the girl and I was like what no that would hurt her like that's ridiculous yeah and then when I heard it in class I was like what <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's the first time I remember hearing about it and then you know I identify as gay the first time I heard like gay 
anal sex yeah. was junior high. There was a, the, this porn magazine that got torn up. The pages are through all over the guy's bathroom. Everyone ran to the bathroom like, oh, my God, guys, there's like naked chicks on the floor. Like, let's go look. I did not see the chicks. I saw like a big dick. And <laughs> I was like, <gasps> and that was the first time I like I talked to my friends about it. I was like, oh, but like, how do guys do it if that's like a thing? And it's like, oh, they put it in each other's, you know, buttholes. And I was like, what? Anal yes. sex is a thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I could so relate to that. And then what was sex talked about like in your family? It was, uh, <sighs> It was kind of fire and brimstone. Like, I'm not going to okay. lie. Like, it was sex is a beautiful thing between two people that are married, but only if they're married and only if it fits into a man and a woman procreating. Anything that is not procreation is sin. And you shouldn't oh. do it. Um, oh. No condoms, no contraceptives, none, none of that. So when we were told that at school, I immediately shut my brain off because I was like, oh, nope that's wrong. You know, I didn't even accept myself as gay until I was like 19. Okay. And I remember the moment I, you know, tell us. Oh, okay. <laughs> right yeah. Like, like, well, cause, cause, cause my next question was going to be, I mean, like, I am curious to know, like when you first realized or discovered or understood or identified as gay, because yeah. my, like I was 25 and I was like, girls too. Anybody I like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. I found out that I liked boys in second grade, first or second grade. And I remember my mother who must've known, you know, God love her, uh, must've known that I was gay from the beginning. Cause I remember her saying, don't forget just randomly throughout the day. Like we're making dinner. Don't forget being gay is the worst sin that you could ever commit. <gasps> and I was like, first of all, I don't even know what that means. Cause I'm like, seven, eight, nine, 10, you yeah. know, I found out what gay, the term gay meant when I was like 12. So <laughs> she was telling me this before I even knew what it was. And then one day I came home and I started crying and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I think a boy is handsome. And she goes, oh, well, what do you mean? Or I said, I have a crush on a boy. And she goes, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I think he's handsome. She goes, well, just because you think a boy is handsome doesn't necessarily mean you have a crush on him. It just means you recognize that he's handsome. And I was like, oh, okay. Thank God. Like I'm allowed to think that boys are handsome without having a crush on them, which now that I look back, I'm like, great way to handle it, mom. Like, right. to eight year old. <laughs> but that was the beginning. And at some point I accepted, okay, maybe I'm gay, but I'm not going to act on it. I'm not going to live that sinful lifestyle. At some point I realized if you're going to live hundred percent, honest, truthful, fulfilling life, you have to be okay with who you are. And a big struggle with me was religion. And I just kind of came to the conclusion that if this God that, you know, I grew up Catholic, like, you know, if this God that we so speak of is ever loving, then however he made me, he must love me too, because God doesn't make things that are not imperfect, right? Yes. Like if God is perfect, then, I mean, that's a whole other discussion, but it came down to, I thought, if my mother and father could love me in the midst of all of my imperfections, then I bet you God can love me even more because he's perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So 
I remember going and talking about this and coming out for the first time. Oh, okay. Hold on. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> oh, it's okay if you do. I remember going, coming out to a friend who said just that very thing. And I look at myself in the mirror and I still remember looking at myself in the mirror and I said, you're gay. And that was the first time I accepted it for myself. And <laughs> now I'm going to cry. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, that was like the start of my journey, looking at myself in the mirror and just saying it, speaking it into existence. Wow. It lifted everything off and it made it okay for me to finally just be me. And the scary thing was, is I had never done that before. It, this was a whole new, I felt like I was going on a ship in the ocean without a map yeah, and knowing where anything was. Cause now the possibilities are endless. You get to discover yourself now. And 19 is a fairly young age to have that full person realization because it sounds like your acceptance or understanding or however you want to language it was hand in hand with kind of this, did it feel like self-love or can you describe that moment emotionally? I mean, I guess, yeah, now that I think about it, self-love because I just guess my whole life, I didn't think I deserved to give myself that freedom. Mm. And now I finally was able to do that. No. Also, I just want to say for you and anyone interested, I just finished reading this book called God and Sex by a biblical scholar. I read it. Oh my. <laughs> I love it. Love I it. love it. I want to reread <laughs> yeah. it and like memorize everything because it just also throws into sh- such sharp relief how translation and interpretation and the... Yeah the bigotry of the writers is reflected in it. Yeah. It's so insane. I have to reread it, but I made my parents read it. I gave it to them. Okay. So uh, that that was my next question. What has that been like with them? What's your relationship like with them now? And how did they react when you told them? Oh God. Uh, It's still a struggle. Here's a weird thing. I grew up closest to my mother, best friend sharing everything. When I came out, she clung to religion. She wasn't that religious before I would say, like she would go to church and stuff, but she clung to the one thing that she could, which was religion. She became more religious. And let me make a differentiation, not more spiritual, more religious in the sense that we're following doctrine now. Yeah. Father, very down to earth guy. We were never close, but one day he goes, you know what? I need to hear your story. He took a trip down to LA, sat with me for two days, just heard me. And he goes at the end of it, he goes, you know, I still can't say I agree with you living with another man and having sex with another man, but I understand your story now. I understand where you're coming from and I understand why you made the decisions that you made. So I'm just going to leave you alone about it. And since then, two years ago, three years ago, he's like, I'm not going to talk about it. He has never mentioned the word gay ever again. So kudos to him. Like that's like really cool. But then how does it feel that he doesn't say it? Yeah. Um, I'll take it, you know, okay. sure, <laughs> I'll take sure. it. I wish it was different, but you know, I tell myself it took me 19 years to come to terms with myself. Yeah. So I'll give them like half that time. And if it takes longer than that, then we're just going to leave it at that. You know, I've, I've already, I'm engaged. Um, oh, congratulations. I didn't realize that. <laughs> engaged yeah. with a Y. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was not the first time I've heard that. That's amazing. 
And uh, my, my parents already said they're not coming. And I said, that's okay. fine. You don't have to be a part of my life. You don't have to, you, wow. you don't want to, you know, um, yeah. that's yeah. their choice. So. Wow. And I forgot, do you have siblings? I do have a sister and I, when I can't, okay. I came out to my family when I was 20, 21, mm-hmm. a year after being out or so. And it was Christmas day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what a present. Re- my my sister walks in the room. My mom's hugging me. My dad's hugging me. They're crying. I'm crying. It's so dramatic. My, my <laughs> sister asked me, what happened? Did somebody die? Did, do you have cancer? What's going on? I said, oh, I'm, I'm gay. And she goes, oh, that's it? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. She goes, okay. And then I was like, well, how do you feel? And she's always kind of been the problem child. So she was just like, well, I feel better now because now, now the focus is taken off of me. <laughs> Amazing. Is she older or younger? She's always been like the, you know, the girl with the studded pants and the, mm-hmm. you know, she was a dancer for a little bit. Like she was always that kind of girl, okay. you know. <laughs> okay. Do you guys ever talk about sex at all? How far apart are you in age? Four years. Um, the extent of our sexual talk has really just been joking around about it like you know I have these mirrors on the on our closets and when I first moved in she goes oh you can watch yourself having sex (laughs) (laughs) will you walk us through your early experiences did you do anything in your younger years oh god no no wait also what was it like at school did you ever I guess if you didn't know then maybe it was fine but like we grew up at a school where I feel like when we were there it was still like not okay to be gay like people absolutely not there was one gay guy and I think you'll remember who it was I don't even remember his name but he like walked around in stiletto hills and I was like well that's not me Mm -hmm. so I must not be gay you know like I knew I like guys but I, I came to the terms with maybe in my senior year that okay maybe you like dudes but it's not a big deal forget about it you can ignore it but I was just so distracted with with school and and everything else I just I didn't put a lot of focus into it and I just I didn't want to put any energy into it because I felt like it was not even a possibility but I definitely had crushes and okay I just have to tell you one story there's this guy who was was in an orchestra and he was just the cutest fucking guy. I was like, he, I feel like he might be bisexual, but he's definitely out there as a straight man. So many straight dudes tell me secretly they're bisexual. <laughs> just, just for the record. So many people. Can you give them my number? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we had gym class together and I would be like, I don't know. We had this really weird, how do I put it? He was kind of mean to me, but I kind of liked it, mm-hmm. like in a masochist way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I didn't think about it that way. And But he would like tease me and kind of bully me a little bit. But it was all under the understanding that he wasn't really bullying me. It was just kind of like this, like, I don't know, guy on guy stuff. And I remember being on the phone, walking to the locker room to go get changed. And he grabbed my crotch. And like, like grabbed it and I was yeah. like I instantly got hard yeah and I was like oh my god I'm about to go change like okay think about something dead puppies dead puppies um <laughs> like, and then after that I just started having this huge crush and he thought he thought it was funny I think right. I was turned on and then we're it was swimming we were in the swimming season so we're swimming for for PE and as I walk back in the in the locker room he goes 
Hey, Brandon. I turn my head. He's totally naked. He has a beautiful dick, semi, like hanging down so low. And I'm like, he like wiggles it around. Ha, 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 ha. And some of the guys were teasing me. He's like, oh, I bet he's getting hard. I bet he's getting hard. Ha, ha, ha. And like, as much as I was like, shut the fuck up. It excited me. Yeah. That yeah. Some of the guys were like kind of teasing me a little bit about yeah. it, but it was true. And, and this kind of will play into, I think, one of my kinks now, which is like humiliation, which maybe I'm fucked up, but whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know that I agree that people into humiliation, then again, I'm speaking as a person, I guess. But here's the thing. I'm into things that other people label as humiliating, but I don't feel humiliated. But it's funny, right. as you tell me that story, I think about all of the water polo boys my freshman year when I was doing like swim and water polo, and they would walk around flashing the shocker at me. And I had no idea what it was, but I like loved the attention. And then I found out what it yeah. was. And I was like, I don't get it. Why would why would one go in the stink? What does that mean? And now, <laughs> and now I'm like, because the shocker, just for anyone listening, the shocker is where you like put your ring finger down with your thumb. And so it's two in the pink and one in the stink. And now that's something I love very much. And I don't find it shocking at all. <laughs> like, you know, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't well, do that to shock people. But um. and I guess I should say too, like, and this isn't to like downplay whatever bullying anyone's gone through. It's yeah. just at the time I didn't, I've always been the kind of guy that didn't take anything too seriously. Yes. And I didn't want to give the bully the power. Yes. So I, you know, I was bullied. Yeah. Did I take it too seriously? No. I know some people don't have that luxury. Yeah. But at the time, that's how I just decided to take it. And, you know, I, I never got into fights really with anybody in high school. So, cause I, I was always blow it off and, yeah. and they would, lose their interest but yeah that's like one of my first I guess you could say sexual experiences but I, I didn't touch a dude until I was 20, like 20 to be truthful can you just give us a quick overview of the last eight years including your title and just tell us about what you're doing now kind of in the world first gay experience was a grinder hookup and my whole body was shaking I remember he's like are you okay <laughs> it was just so funny because we didn't do anything. We got naked. We had some oral sex. We were making out. And I just remember my whole body just shaking. He's like, are you cold? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm fine. I promise. Uh, but, but that's did all you know did. it was your first time with a guy? He did. Yeah. Okay. And okay. so he he checked in on me. I was really appreciative of that, yeah. especially for a random hookup. He was like, are you okay? Like checking in, like, uh, how are your nerves? You know? And I remember like when I, put my dick in his mouth. I was like, oh my God, like another guy is like sucking my dick. That was the first time I even hugged a guy. Like I never <sighs> even hugged a guy before. Held hand, nothing. Whoa. So all of this was crazy. I was like, you know, you can feel the guy stubble on your face when he's kissing you and all yep. this stuff. Like yep. all these new experiences. And then, you know, I I just kind of explored Grindr, the the hook up, gay hookup app. If some of you don't know what that is, I guess it's like the Tinder for the gay world. Very hookup-y though. I remember having like my first threesomes. Oh, I had a threesome in a celebrity's house in Hollywood Hills. I won't tell you who it was, but I found out after I was like, whose house is that? Like, that was awesome because my friends were house sitting. Oh my God. Time. And they told me and I was like, what? Like, why didn't you tell me that I slept Wait. in this guy's bed? Like, <laughs> I also had a, like the best threesome of my life also took place in a celebrity's house in New York. <laughs> 
Yeah, that we're house sitting. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was so wonderful. There was like an infinity pool and we were naked wow. and swimming. And um, anyways, okay. So when did I first discover kink? Well, I met my partner shortly. I had a couple of relationships, but I, I met my partner maybe six years ago now. Oh, wow. Okay. We've been together for that long. And throughout that, I remember discovering water sports because I was watching this, this porn. And at the end of the porn compilation, there was this guy, he's like leaning backwards, like he's going to like try to suck his own penis. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, this guy's going to, he's going to do it. Like, it's going to be great. Like he's getting so close. All of a sudden, huge, heavy piss stream goes right in his mouth. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, what is happening? <laughs> and I was like, I like stopped it. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's weird. Like that's, that's not sexual. Right. But then I kept thinking about it and I remember like what it looked like, what the sound was like, and I would feel myself getting excited. And I was like, I'm just going to watch it one more time. Like, I'm just going to watch it. Like, this is like just me being like a scientist. Like I'm just researching, you know? (laughs) And then like a few times after watching it, like a few days go by, maybe I was like, I'm going to do it. So I like I recorded myself doing exactly what he did. That's so cool. Okay, what was it like? <laughs> I've never peed in my own because I don't know how I would do that. Just, <laughs> you, would so. need a, you would probably need a tool. <laughs> but I just remembered like I got hard instantly because I remember like it like, and Wait, I was like, how does that work physiologically? You're peeing and then you like, get hard, or like no, no, no. But like, <laughs> like, can't you not pee once you get hard? Well, it, it you can, but it just goes everywhere. It's so it was even better, right? Oh like, my god! So now I'm soaked, and I just start jerking off, and I just like shot like real far. I was like, oh my god, like that was so crazy! I can't believe I did that. And where were you? Were you in the bathroom or like in the bathroom on the tile floor? Cool. Yeah, I wanted to do it on the floor because I wanted to just be like the video because he's like. Yeah on the floor it wasn't in the tub or anything which made yeah. it even more like yeah yeah, yeah. dirty and naughty and that, my first water sports experience was also like concrete floor situation yeah <laughs> twinsies <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we have so much in common we just didn't know <laughs> but yeah and i just got into it and that really started my like journey into like the kink world and i didn't realize that it was kinky or fetishy. I didn't even know what that was until like, I just started diving into more things. And I remember on Pornhub that or searching on porn water sports. Mm -hmm. And then that brought me to another point, which was like fisting. And then fisting led me to sounding. And I remember those two things were my hard limits, which are not limits anymore. (laughs) At the time I was like, Oh, absolutely not. You know, (laughs) I forget how it happened, but I, I ended up going to these, I've never been like a like a WeHo person. Mm-hmm. I, I I would go to WeHo, but I, I was like, I already came out. Like I've already come to terms with myself. I don't need more judgment. Um, not to say that people in WeHo are judgy. It's just, that was my experience there. It's fun. I still go to WeHo, you know, to have, hang out with friends and stuff, but it just wasn't the thing that I wanted to go to that bar every day and have like a dance party or whatever. Everybody has their own things. So yeah. I ended up finding this place called the Bullet Bar LA. And I thought, this is awesome. It's divey. There was like porn on the television screens instead of sports and Beyonce, you know, um, there's yeah. like dirty music on like dark beats and everything. And I thought, wow, this is fucking hot. Like, this is great. I love this. You take your shirt off, you get 
you know, I, I got a discounted drink. I was like, this is oh, awesome. I love that. And lots of older men, daddy, I called them. And lots of daddies. I'm into older men, always have been. So the daddies would be attracted to me, who was a younger, shirtless, skinnier guy. And uh-huh. I would get all the attention. And it was just a great time. And that slowly became like my home bar. And then I discovered another bar called the Eagle LA, which is a, a leather bar here in Silver Lake. And that was interesting. I actually was in West Hollywood and I was driving home and I was like, you know, I think I'm drunk. Like maybe I should stop. I don't, I should not be driving right now. So I was like, let's just Google the the closest gay bar. Eagle Eye was the closest. So I stopped in there. I went in there and um, I was like, I'll just have a soda or something. And it was packed. I'm telling you like Disneyland on Christmas, like you cannot move past one person, you know? I was like, what the fuck? Everybody was in leather harnesses, full on leather head to toe. There was guys in jock straps dancing, like hairy buff men. There was like older daddies making out with other daddies. There was like some really kinky shit going on. And I was like in my preppy boy plaid t-shirt and tight skinny jeans. And I was like, where the fuck am I? Uh, (laughs) Like... (laughs) You know, and I was just like, how do I become a part of this? It was very clearly a community of people that a subset of people that I had no idea ever existed. I didn't even understand that kink was connected to the leather yet. I just saw leather and the smell, the touch, the sounds, the every one of your senses when you walk into a bar like that is stimulated. It just screams sex. And I knew I needed to be a part of it. So that weekend, I had planned a trip already to go to San Francisco. And Mr. S. Leather is a leather shop in San Francisco, like one of the, one of the most famous. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm going to go to Mr. S. and just pick up a harness or some piece of leather. The harness was $400. Yeah. They're expensive. I still have the harness today. But I, I went in there and I was like, let's just try it on. My partner was with me. And I love my partner because... I I was afraid we were going to grow different ways with this whole thing, but he's just, he's grown with me and allowed me to be me. And um, that's why he's been around for so long. Cause I'm like, wow, you really do love and appreciate me and everywhere I'm growing and going. Anyways, I put on that harness. And the second I put it on all those feelings that I experienced at the Eagle LA, when I stumbled in that night came back, like (gasps) I felt powerful. I felt sexy. I felt like part of, this now legacy of leather people that have just been around since like however long, you know, it's like, wow, I, this feels right. And that began my journey into leather. Mm. A few years go by and I'm just kind of bobbing around the leather community, kind of minding my own business, making friends here and there. I find out later that the bullet bar is also associated with leather. I had no idea. But I remember seeing a guy walk in with a vest and it said, Mr. Bullet Leather 2017. And I went up to him and I was like, what is that? What does that mean? And he's like, well, like every bar, you know, every leather bar, every year they have a contest where people will compete to represent the bar. And so I'm Mr. Bullet Leather 2017. I thought one day I want to do that. So I go in and this bar has become my home now, the Bullet Bar. 
And this is where I meet some of my best friends. I have some of my fondest memories. I have some of my sexiest memories. I have some of my just, it became the gay cheers for me. It really has become my watering hole. So anyways, one day I, I go out and I dress in all of my leather and the contest season was coming around. So all the bars are having their contests. And this is in the beginning of 2020 now. Uh, so a few years into the leather scene. And I'm like thinking, you know, I really want to run for Mr. Bullet Leather, but like, I don't know. I don't like, maybe I should wait. Anyway, so I'm, I'm in my full leather and I go to the Bullet Bar and the owner locks eyes with me. I've never spoken to the owner before. I didn't think he knew I existed. He like locks, locks eyes with me and he's like, you should, you should compete for Mr. Bullet Leather. And I was like, a sign from the gods. What? Uh, me? Like, you, you know, I exist. And he's like, yeah, you look great in your leather. Like you should run. And I was like, okay. Like I knew he was looking for contestants. Cause obviously you want contestants for your competition. Yeah. So it's exciting and all this stuff, but it was already in my head. I wanted to do this. And I just took that as a sign to be yeah. like, this is your time. Like do it. Even if you lose, it's not a big deal because at that point I had realized I don't, it doesn't matter to me if I win this title or if I don't win this title. This is a step in my journey as a person. Mm -hmm. I came from a family where I couldn't even accept who I was. Now, finally, I come to this point where I can accept for who I am. I discover myself through kink, through leather. And now this, this place that I kind of call family, call home, I want to represent that, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to show people that, like, you don't have to be the Tom of Finland, you know, muscle, hairy daddy, what, whatever yeah. the, the norm was that you could, you could still be leather and just be you, you know? So I was like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Let's go. Memorize my speech, memorize, but speech, by the way, has to be 90 seconds. If you go over, you lose points. Okay. Your yeah. What are, what are all the requirements? Okay. So yeah. So, also, okay. Can you please describe your outfit? Also, are you wearing the vest? Can you please show us? <laughs> this is, so my my vest because the pandemic hasn't been um, oh, right. patched yet, but I will have a patch. But this is I'll, okay. I'll show you my little getup right now. Okay, okay. So this is what you would call bar wear. So there's there's three types of wear. There's a bar wear, which is like casual night out at the leather. Then there's formals, which is like full leather head to toe with like tall boots and the Sam Brown and the whole bit. And then there's, Sam Brown. Uh, Wait, what's Sam Brown? Oh, Sam Brown is like the the little strap that goes around your shoulder into oh. your hip. Oh, I didn't know what that was called. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. A lot of it is like military and biker inspired because that's yeah. where, where leather kind of came to. That's its inception, basically. Mm -hmm. Then there's the jock strap wear. These are the three levels in the competition. So jock strap means you're wearing like a leather harness with a jock strap or something revealing. Yeah. So this is my like bar wear. Okay. This is my hat with the yellow trim and okay. yellow in the leather world signifies water sports. So oh, cool. every color has a, has an association to, with a fetish, red for fisting, yellow for water sports, so on and so forth. And so I have my casual bar wear with my leg harness here. Fuck yeah. Wrist cuffs. And then you can flag. Now, some people don't flag. Mm -hmm. I like to flag, but it originated in the eighties where like seventies and eighties, where you had to be in the closet about it. Yeah. So you wear your color. If you wear it on the right, you're the bottom of that fetish. If you wear it on the left, you're the top of that fetish. So guys would know immediately what you're into, what you're looking for. 
without you having to vocalize it. That's amazing. And I don't understand why we don't have those rules across all everything. (laughs) Well, I wear it because I feel like it's paying homage to a time when men, when, well, just gay people in general, Mm -hmm. the whole community could not be out. And I think it's kind of, in my mind, exhibitionism because you're showing people what you're into that's yes you know? exactly when you told me what the yeah. yellow meant I, I got a little feeling of like ooh, everybody knows and like that that yeah you know for me it feels like if I were to wear a collar out to dinner or something you know oh exactly exactly like that you know there there is discussion in the community of where flagging belongs now in today's society because we have a much more informed understanding of consent hmm. back in the day there wasn't a lot of talk on consent. So, you know, you could assume that someone was into something and if they were flagging, they were out there and they were ready to play. And so you just went in. Versus today, if someone's wearing a color, it may or may not be associated with the fact that they're into that kink. It might just be that they like that color. Right. And they're wearing it out that night. So discussion is more of a thing these days than... So yeah, there, there is like a whole kind of discussion in the community, like where flagging belongs in our culture today. On the note of discussion, can you take a moment to share your experiences around any conversations that have to do with safer sex? Uh, definitely. Okay. Well, let's talk about the, the STDs and stuff first. The HIV ep- epidemic was a huge thing. It wiped out a generation of people. So today I think and I've talked about this before on my podcast, and I think that like my generation, maybe a little earlier, is like the first generation to really have elders now to learn from because there was a whole generation of people lost where the people coming into the leather kink scene didn't really have people to look up to for the longest time. I mean, they did, but they were wiped out, you know, by huge numbers. So now we have this thing called pre-exposure prophylaxis, Mm -hmm. which is a pill in the form of Truvada or Discovi, Uh, These are the brand names of those medications where you take them every day and they're present in your body. So if your body does come in contact with HIV, it has the capability to, I don't know exactly how it works, but fiend it off so you don't become infected with HIV. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have people who are HIV positive who take those medications and, and other similar medications that keep them from becoming detectable. If you are undetectable, then that means you are undetectable, untransmittable. You can't Mm. transmit the disease. So because of the advancements in technology and medication, the gay LGBTQ scene, the whole whole rainbow scene, (laughs) especially the leather kink scene, uh, we're seeing a lot more people having sex without condoms. Okay. With or without discussion in your personal experience? Here's where it gets hairy. Okay. So when I started PrEP, I started pre-exposure prophylaxis as a preventative measure back when it first came out, maybe like eight years ago or something. I was like 21. Mm-hmm. I thought, of course, like I'm young, I'm in my 20s, I'm high, at my highest sexually, like I'm going to be taking this medication. And even then I would use condoms because I thought, well, this is just like a last resort kind of thing. Like I don't want to get any other STDs that you can still get. Yep. without using condom, yep. gonorrhea, syphilis, and even the other, these other things. I understand people don't want to use condoms and that's their choice, you know, but I think having the pre-exposure prophylaxis makes that decision a lot easier these days. 
So, you know, sometimes I would have sex without a condom. Sometimes I would, and I would just deal with my decision later. If they had repercussions, they had repercussions. I was prepared to make that decision, you know. But I, I noticed that I was getting a bad reaction to the medication. Everybody's body's different. So I had to end up stop taking the PrEP. At that point in time, because PrEP was so new, people didn't really question whether or not to use a condom. They were just thought, oh, this person wants you to use a condom? Sure, like, fine. We've been doing this since the 80s, you know? It's not a big deal. I jumped back into the hookup scene where recently, and I, that whole dynamic has changed from, from my experience. I'm just, I can only speak from my experience. Mm-hmm. I was in a backroom situation where mm-hmm. they call it a dark room situation where everyone's kind of just like fucking around and this hot daddy's right there. We're making eye contact. We get up close. We start kissing. We start touching. And I pull out a condom and I like start to unwrap it. And he goes, he takes my hand and he goes, oh, I didn't expect that. And walks away. Oh, wow. And I thought, okay. Um, And at this point I'm not on prep anymore. So I thought, okay. I go up to another guy. We're messing around. He goes, turn around. And I'm like thinking, like, there's no discussion here whether or not to use a condom. So what I've realized is that now in my experience, it seems from those experiences that it's assumed that you should be taking PrEP. I never try to should people, but I'm saying like, that's what the assumption has kind of become that you're on PrEP and we're not using condoms because this is, you know, we're sexual rebels and this is a revolution. We've come this far. Like, why are we going to put use condoms, we don't have to. So it's kind of become that thing. Pre-pandemic, I I got back on prep and I just kind of went with that understanding that if you're going to go into like a sex party kind of thing or a dungeon and you're playing with people that you don't really have that much discussion with, it's just a hookup scene, then maybe this is, you know, maybe Brandon for myself, not for anybody else. If you're going to go into that situation, Brandon, then maybe the decision that you make is that you're just not going to use condoms in those situations. And you have to be kind of okay with that. And if I really, really was gung-ho about using condoms all the time, I would yeah. not take no for an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just think you have to be confident and, and empower yourself to make the decision for yourself. Have you ever given or received a blowjob with a condom on? I received one and it was so interesting because it was in a glory hole <laughs> and, and I didn't even know I had a condom on. He just went in, he went to town and I'm assuming he, but I, I don't know who was on the other side. Uh, Could have been you. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, but I do want to experience a glory hole someday. That is on my bucket list. I haven't gotten to yet. And also, I, I want to be one of the people that can put a condom on with their mouth so sneaky that you don't some, know. Yeah. I want to be that person. Started doing... I pulled my dick out and I was like, there's a condom on my dick. Like, how did that get here? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and, you know, to me, I've talked to a couple of guys who said they have a condom fetish. Really? Now think about this for a second. Condoms for the longest time were, were necessary, right? But think about like a latex fetish. Yep. Now that's on your penis. And if you think about how it squeezes around your dick, it's sort of like a cock ring. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've never really had problems with condoms because I've sort of looked at it that way as well. 
but yeah, it's just interesting to have all these different opinions about the, the whole condom thing, you know. I just like to ask, and I do say it as often on this podcast as I possibly can, I got herpes in my throat. So like that's, you know, if you're on prep, I feel like herpes is kind of the worst case scenario of in terms of like, it's not the curable one, but also penises are a lot more resilient than mucous membranes. And so, it, you know, they got little helmets on. So, who you know, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, that that's the main thing for me when I go into play spaces. I'm just like, am I going to take this risk today? Yeah. Now, here's one thing I will say about the kink community from my experience is that because we're on pre-exposure prophylaxis, a lot of us are, we are required in order to keep getting that medication every three months at a minimal to be getting tested. Yeah. So if you're getting tested more often, then you know whether or not you're transmittable for also herpes for and herpes, gonorrhea and all these you things. You have to ask separately for herpes, like at AHS and the other places, you have to request it. You know, that's, pro- that's actually true. Yeah. Um, I mean, my insurance does that. Um, I know that's some great. insurances don't. Uh, I mean, and there are literally doctors who are like, it's not a big deal. You don't have to tell your partner. Like, there's so much weird information yeah. around it that I'm just, so I like to talk about it. Okay. But now I would like to talk about more of your sexy details and what you're into. So, okay. I feel like you have a jillion stories. Start by telling me things that are like biggest turn ons or favorites. Like, what do you love the most about sex and your kinky self? Goodness. I think the the biggest thing for me is the energy. Mm-hmm. It's all about the energy. I consider for myself a switch between being more dominant and more submissive. And depending on my mood or the person that I'm with and the energy that they're getting off, I feed off of that energy. Mm-hmm. So if you come on to me and you're like this more dominant kind of guy and you're into that, then I kind of will fall into the subspace and headspace or vice versa. And every kink sort of, takes me to that that place. Then you have like the kinks that are like, not like a power exchange kind of dynamic where it's just taboo, like pissing in your mouth yeah. or fisting or, well, even fisting can have, you know, some subdom things, but, or urethral sounding is my newest fetish, which tell, I never me, thought I would do. Tell us about that, please. And like how <laughs> you finally decided to go there. Okay. So if you don't know what urethral sounding is, it's where you put your ear up to a guy's pee hole and you can hear the ocean. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not what it is, you guys. Uh, <laughs> it is where you take a metal rod or, or some kind of device that is similar to a metal rod and you put it inside of the urethra to penetrate the urethra and oftentimes all the way down into the prostate. So we're talking about like a six to seven inch long rod that you'll put in and they come in different gauges, different thicknesses. There's thin ones, there's curved ones, there's straight ones, there's twisty ones, there's all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What does that look like once it's in the cock? So it kind of looks like a, like a a drill. You know how the drill is wiggly looking? Like, is it like, does the cock get twisty looking or is it just the inside the feeling? No, just the inside the feeling. Yeah. But I will tell you, have you tried one? No, not a twisty oh, one. Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry, I get too excited. Okay, you will tell us. <laughs> no, I, I do know that women can do urethral sounding as well, but not as far because your urethra is not as long. Yeah. And from what I've heard, women are more susceptible to u- urinary tract infections. Yep. So, you know, I have heard of women, like they talk to the doctors that they want these antibiotics as like a 
everything and they they take it when they know they're going to be doing urethral sounding and stuff like that but it does take some time you have to sanitize your your instruments I have a whole ritual like boiling water and everything Mm -hmm. and and, do you um, do it yourself walk mm -hmm. us through the process okay so you're like yeah so and I actually have a bonus episode out about this called uh, called sounding and basically what I do is I take it's a surgical stainless steel rod and then you'll you'll boil it in hot water for like 20 minutes and you take it out, you rinse it off. I wash it with soap and water prior to that. And then I, I go over with a alcohol swab and I make sure I'm clean bathed, you know, mm-hmm. and then I do an alcohol swab over the head of my penis. And then there's special lubrication that you need. You can't just use any lubrication. If you use something that your body can't process in the urethra, then you're going to get a urinary tract infection or some other kind of infection. But they have what they call surgy lube, which is sterile lube. I'm not talking about spermicide. I'm talking about like sterile. It's not going to attract like that bacteria in the same way that other lubes might. You can also use like mineral oil, but surgy lube is the safest. It's really meant for medical play like that. And then afterwards, after you're done sounding, I always drink like three or four glasses of water right before and you urinate to flush out whatever has been lodged down in there. There are silicon sounds, but I still remember the the first time I did it, I was like, okay, like soft, right? And I'm like putting it in. And then all of a sudden, like I get just this much in, like the tip, just the tip of the sound in. And I'm like, oh my God, I just put something in my penis. Like, I can't believe it. And all of a sudden, I'm just holding it there and my penis starts to grow up around it. Oh my God. That's so hot. I, yeah. And I'm looking at myself and I'm that's thinking, insane. Oh my God, what did it feel what's like? happening? Yeah. Like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> what did you do? I just held it there and I thought, uh, what the fuck, what do I do? And it feels like pressure. It doesn't hurt. Uh, if it hurts, you're doing it wrong or there's something okay. you need to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should feel pressure. You should, should feel a little bit of uncomfortable. But once you get past that kind of uncomfortableness or penetration maybe, feeling, yeah, penetration feeling, maybe even discomfort. Yeah. Then I would just take it all the way out almost and let it go and let gravity just let it sink down slowly. And then I've gotten to the point now where I can pull it all the way out and in like this, just a, to a slow rhythm. And you can actually come without touching your, like without masturbating your penis, just, it, it feels like masturbating from the inside. Whoa. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so cool. Okay. Can I ask what made you finally decide to go there? Well, okay. So I saw a porn where a guy was trying it and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, this is <laughs> just crazy, you know? And I thought like never in a million years. And I told my partner about it. He's like, oh my God, like no way. And then like a few months go by or not even a few months, maybe like a few weeks. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking try it. Like, I want to do this. Like, I was like, just because if I, maybe I don't like it, then I don't have to try it again. But, you know, I always told myself like, try it once. If you don't like it, try it twice. If you don't like it, then then maybe, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, for you. I'm a three times trier. Okay. <laughs> because you could get two different answers. And the third one I, to me is confirmation. I don't know. You know, like, like, cause you just never know. I don't know. Well, I did it 10 times because I, I thought to myself until you figure out your body, yeah, yeah. you really can't 
understand how to enjoy something if you're just like figuring it out. That, that so was me and anal sex yeah. for a long time. Like I was so yeah. nervous for the first time that I was like, I don't know, but I'm into this somehow, but it, I don't know about it. You know, and then right. finally exactly. I got orgasm. Like, because I finally got like, to <laughs> Like, but it's an askasm. That's a new one for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild. I, I love it. It's, um, and now there's something that can like happen for me regularly ish while I'm not having enough sex for that, but you know, theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I did it 10 times. And then at, at the beginning, I told, I, I told some of my friends who were into it. I was just like, yeah, it's not really my thing. But once I figured myself out, I was like, you know what? This is something that I'm into. Yeah. One of the first times I, my partner left. He goes, you're going to be home alone uh, all weekend because I'm, I'm going to be gone to whatever. and I'll come back late Sunday or whatever. So I'm drying. I was like, now's my time to try it out. So I did. And like right mid through, I hear the door open and I was like, shit, 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 shit. What do I do? Like I'm naked with the sound in my cock. And <laughs> like he opens the bedroom door and I just drop it to the floor and you hear click, 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 click. And I'm like, <laughs> cover myself like I told him later what, what it's all about and he just laughed he's like okay whatever <laughs> why were you shy do you not talk about this with him or what's that like I just I didn't want to like say it and make it known unless I knew I was actually Got into it. it it was private like, exploration yeah private exploration okay so once I figured out if I like it or I don't like it or whatever, then I would be like, oh yeah, I tried this and I liked it or I didn't, you know? I love yeah. that. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's one of my, I would say, favorite ones because it's just so taboo. It's like, oh my God, yeah. you're doing something totally yeah. ta- like naughty. Like, <laughs> Can you just run us through off the top of your head anything we haven't mentioned yet that you're into? Like you mentioned threesomes. Is that a regular thing or is it something you did? Like just, just whatever you're, I just want to hear more stuff. And that I, I wouldn't say threesomes are like, I, I like, I like exhibitionism. So okay. the more people, the better, but only for the sake of being seen. Got it. You know, not that I want to be like exposed or anything, but like if I'm at a sex party or, or a play dungeon, like I like that other guys are there watching me or even women. Like if women are watching me, I'm like, great. Like, I don't know if you know about like the chat roulette sex websites where you can kind of like chat roulette and it's specifically just, for sex. I just learned about chatterbait, something like that. Okay. So there's one just called like, I think it's called like dirty chat online or something like that. And it's just like this where you're zooming with like yeah. two people or one person and you just click and it goes to the next camera you click and it goes to the next camera it's live i like that too yeah it's interesting but um that i like the humiliation subdom dynamics degradation fisting sounding. as a dom are you also a degrader and a fister yeah yeah well, yeah how did you learn yeah. this um by accident um <laughs> So I, I got fisted on accident, I would say, on my first time. And then I kind of started exploring it more. So I was getting a massage. And at the end, the guy's looking at me. He's like, is there anything else you want me to do? We still have some more, a little bit more time left. And he kind of look, looks down like my crotch area. And I was like, do whatever you want to do. And so he starts kind of just fingering me a little bit with like a little bit of the oil and... 
he's like, is this okay? I'm like, yeah. And I was like, can you put two fingers in? Cause he had one in at that point. And I was, he's like, sure. And then I was like, now I'm so relaxed. I just had a massage. There's music on. It's yeah. sexy. It's hot. Yeah. And I was like more. So he puts three in and I must've lost track of time or whatever. Yep. Cause I said yep. more. And then I felt his thumb go in and I was like, is that the whole thing? <laughs> okay. I actually just had a very similar experience. So I just twins. had, I, I were so twins. I mean, I had my first fisting experience in December and it was another situation where it was like one and then two. And then, and then he was like, my knuckles are in. And I was like, yeah. they are. And yeah. I just felt amazing. Like I was so surprised, but I felt proud and just like, yeah. It's crazy, right? Was it your vagina or your... I was wearing an anal hook, so it was in my vagina. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, wow. But I would be curious in all the all the holes. I just don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really out of training. Like, I used to have a big butt plug that I would play with, but I, I need to get retrained, so. <laughs> That's one of my first experience with that. And as a dom, with the last day of the bars were open, I, I went out to the bullet. And afterwards, there's actually a, a bathhouse, a gay bathhouse down the street from oh, the bar. I wish I could. Go. I know I live in the best area. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, you do. But I was there and a guy finds me on, online and he goes, hey, you're close. Are you in the bathhouse? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm in room. Whatever. Do you want to uh, come fist me? And I was like, well, like, let make sure because I, I bought them too. So I know what it takes. And I was like, why don't you look at my fingernails and everything mm-hmm. and clean out, do whatever you need to do. So we met, we talked a little bit about it. I always like to try to have a discussion first. And he was a champ. I mean, he almost took it immediately. He was ready. Like he must have stretched pre and it was insane. I was like, I think we got to 10 full on like punch, punch, like all the way in, all the way out kind of thing. And I've never experienced that before, but that was my last night out before quarantine oh. officially began in Los Angeles. And it was a night to remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so glad you had that experience right before everything shut down. But also, oh my God, I bet you want things to open back up so bad. Uh, yeah. Literally <laughs> open back up. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I know. Oh, I forgot to ask you. I've been trying to ask this at the beginning. Did you ever learn anything about consent growing up? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, not in the way that I understand it now, because it, in the traditional, however I was taught, consent was the fact that you were married. Like, right. right. You know, good point. So, um, I would love to hear just a few details about how you like to touch yourself, like non-kinky, just like masturbating. Like, when did you start masturbating? How do you touch oh. yourself? What are the details of your penis sensitivity, et cetera? And can yeah. we squeeze or bite your balls? Like, what are they like? <laughs> not me. Like, not everybody. But I mean, just like the general we. <laughs> I want a t-shirt with all the crazy things you say to me. <laughs> I just write them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see here. <laughs> I discovered ejaculation. I was on the swimming team when I was 12, 11, 12. And I came home and I took it a shower and my parents are gone and I just laid naked down on the bed. And I was hard at the point. I didn't really understand what hard was, but then I was, 
I was like, oh, this feels good, like on my penis. So I started kind of moving my body a little bit. And I wasn't like jerking or pumping or I was just kind of moving. And at some point I felt this crazy sensation and I like shot all over my covers. And I was like, oh no, what just happened? Like, what was that? (laughs) Then I realized I would get that when I was climbing poles and like ropes. So we had like a huge pole in our backyard and a rope and I would like go back there because that's all I knew how to do. (laughs) Every time I climbed this rope, I come like, (laughs) so I would go to the backyard and just shoot. Like, (laughs) that's the best young masturbation story I think I've ever heard. That's amazing. Yeah, I like three, four times a day, I like go climbing. Like, <laughs> parents are like, he just loves climbing. Yeah. That's great. He's so athletic. <laughs> exactly. And then I got to realize now you're going to love this. The same guy who grabbed my crotch and flashed me in high school taught me how to masturbate in orchestra in junior high. <laughs> because I told him that this had happened and he was like, oh, yeah, that's called semen that's when when you jack off that's what happens and I was like oh it is like he's like yeah he's like yeah I can bring you a jar of mine later if you want to like see what it's like and I was like what like why would I want that he's like oh I'm just kidding blah 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 and then he's like well next time you're in the shower like get some soap in your hand and when you're hard like rub it squeeze it and rub it up and down until you feel the sensation and that's called jerking off and so I tried it. So this guy has like been in my mind uh, for years. You know what I mean? Like uh, building yeah. up to him flashing me. Like, <laughs> whoa. But yeah, that's how I learned about what jerking off was. And I remember like late at night, if it would rain, I would like go out in the very, very back where no one could see me and like jerk off on the rocks while it's raining on me. And Oh my gosh. That's almost like a water sports precursor. Oh my God. I never thought about that. It's like, I mean, just like sensation wise, like that's interesting. Yeah. I guess you could say that. I, well, for me at that point, I was, I was exploring more. um, I don't want to say I was like Wiccan or anything, but I was like exploring more of like witchy Wiccan stuff. And so I was exploring a lot of like nature and I thought Mm. like, oh, the energy of the water coming from the sky, hitting my body and the moon. Yeah. And yeah. the sexual energy. And that's what I was really excited. So I would do go in the backyard late at night sometimes to <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, and you can bite my balls. So <laughs> Okay, that's so cool. Do you tell people that or do they just figure it out and like grabbing and squeezing? Like what do you what's the ball etiquette that you experience? I like to have like my balls like sucked mm-hmm. in all the way because mm-hmm. I like to feel the facial hair like yeah. around and oh, then be yeah. But what I really like is not to have the testicles themselves bitten, but the like the scrotum pulled with their lips. Um, yep. I don't know. I discovered that on accident with a partner one time where they kind of did that, like this. Yeah. I guess you can't see it over the podcast if you're it's not like watching. like a bite with your lips. A bite with your lips. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I really like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh. Is there anything specific you need when you're with a partner to come? Like, do you have any special tricks or anything like that? You know, I, I will venture to say that I don't even need to come to have a full mm. sexual experience, mm-hmm. but my head has to be in it. I don't need anything really physical to come, like getting fucked helps, you know, mm-hmm. but I just need to be in the headspace. If I'm not feeling it, then I'm not, 
I'm not feeling it, but like, I would venture to say like that mind fucking is one of my favorite kinks. So mind fucking for me is, is when you take someone to a, a primal space where they're not experiencing anything else around them. It's just that moment, like what they're in. And you will find like, if you're being mind fucked the right way, like let, let me talk about it specifically from a submissive standpoint. If a, if a dominant is talking to me and telling me to do things as like an act of service, oh, I want you to take my boots off. Okay. Then the next thing is a little bit more extreme. Now I want you to kiss my boot. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to take off your clothes and put your penis on the floor or whatever it be. It becomes more and more extreme and you end up doing things that you never thought you would ever do. Totally. But because this person has taken to you to that space, by the end of it, you're looking, it's almost like you have an out-of-body experience where you're on the outside looking in thinking, I can't believe where I'm at right now. And it becomes so overwhelming and you just come. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like that, yeah, for me, mind fucking, and it doesn't have to go all the way to the extreme all the time, but the headspace is so important, I think. Totally. And on that note, what do you need to be in a good headspace and like body space, just in your general life to be well sexually, if that makes sense? One, and this comes into, uh, I guess, the shame, the shame factor. I have to feel sexy about me first. Mm. Like if I just had a cheeseburger and two servings of fries, <laughs> like I'm not going to get to that headspace, no matter what you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, but I will also eat a burrito right before sex. And like it took a live stream for people to be like, Karen or Wyo, that's not okay. <laughs> They're like, that's not a sexy food. And I was like, I felt very sexy. So, yeah. I also have been known to like throw up nachos while deep throating. So. <laughs> Which is, could be another just fetish. A I don't bit. know. Yeah. I mean, not mine, but like I wasn't, I just was like, you know, I got it out of the way and continued on. Right. right. Um, wait, what were we saying? But I hear I you. No, staying in your body, being sexy, yeah. like it starts with yourself. Right. And the, probably the not. The second thing is, I need trust with the person. I, if the other person just assumes that they're dominating and I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do, that doesn't work for me. Like you have to earn my trust. It has to start somewhere. I'm not saying like, we have to have like a 10 year relationship beforehand, but like discussion is always important. And if I know where you're coming from and you're not coming from a place where you're expecting respect, but I can feel in our conversation that you're hoping to earn it, that makes me trust you more. So well said. Also, I'm noticing that you seem to have a very firm grasp of your personal boundaries. How did you get that? Did it just come with your (laughs) in the mirror? Yeah. I mean, I just want to, I just want to highlight it because it's not something that everyone has and it's, I didn't have it for a long time and now I have really strong boundaries, but it's just because I do. I don't know. You know where it came from? I think, um, I think that I was forced to be very self-aware hiding in the closet. I had to figure out if my hand was on the table the right way to not be found out as gay. I had to make sure I was sitting the right way. My legs weren't crossed. I was thinking about every micro movement every day of my life, 24 seven. So I was always very self-aware and that made me very emotionally aware as well, because I had to look into myself and tell myself, Oh, it's okay that you think this boy is handsome. But 
how how do we get around that? So I was always just very in my head about everything. And I remember my first relationship, not my first relationship, my relationship before my current long-term partner, we broke up and I sat down with a book and drew down the book a line. And I said, my needs and my wants in a relationship. I wrote down everything that I thought that I needed and everything that I needed, that I wanted. And on our first date, he asked me, well, what do you look for in a guy? I had it memorized. I went, boom, 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 boom. Here's all my needs. Boom, boom, boom. Here's all my wants. I said, I need all my needs. I don't need all my wants. I just need some of them. Since the relationship has gone, I've realized some of those have crossed over into the uh-huh. different columns uh-huh. and some fetishes I thought I never would be into. Right. <laughs> I, I'm now into. So I'm open to growing and changing and evolving and, and coming to new understandings. But I think always being clear where I stand has helped me so far discover myself in a very uh, safe, but just in a very open way. Yeah. 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 What does it feel like now to not, or do you catch yourself still watching yourself the way that you're holding yourself? Or do you feel like you shirked off that mantle of responsibility and you can just be you? No, the second I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you're gay, there was a freedom. Amazing. And I will never go back to the feeling like that ever again. Yeah. Oh, what about sexting and nudes? <laughs> I love your face right now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. And I just can't believe I forgot to ask you about it so far. Okay. Well, as we said before, I, I, I have always been an exhibitionist and that's been... The way I got that out was by going to clubs and dungeons and whatever. But now during quarantine, uh, the only way that I get that kind of exhilaration is by like taking pictures and posting them somewhere. So I do post those to my Patreon at the the highest tier. I'm not Mm -hmm. like big on, like, I don't really need those nudes getting out to very many people. Totally, totally. You know, it's something that I enjoy, but I don't want it to run my life. I will tell you, like, when quarantine happened, I have never, like, figured out how to work my angles and lighting more than ever before. Like, I was like, oh, I look good from this angle. Oh, the lighting, when it hits my face like that, or my, whatever, my body looks better this way or that way. And it's, I get turned on taking pictures of myself. This is really narcissistic. I'm sorry. But when I'm taking pictures of myself and I'm telling myself, oh, these are going to be, like, available to somebody. Yes. I get excited and every photo shoot that I do with myself, I come like at the end That's of it because I'm like excited yeah. about no, it. No, it's a turn on. And I, I yeah. want to push back on the idea of narcissism because we, we're, first of all, living in a society where we are listening to ourselves, watching us, all this stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I just think there is a difference between healthy narcissism when you're like, here's this thing I like about myself that I'm going to share and like the completely unconscious like, black hole of ego need narcissism. Yeah, I mean, I don't like jerk off at my, looking at myself in the mirror. Which, no, but, like, many, but many people fine, do, and I don't think that's a bad thing, yeah. but it's just like, it's your turn on, so I want to celebrate it. Yeah, it's true. It's like, if you're turned on by it, then it doesn't necessarily have to be narcissistic in a bad way. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. What other toys do you have that we haven't heard about yet? Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos is my first love after my last breakup. <laughs> He's <laughs> so many photo series with you. I want to have the mirror moment. I want to have you in the rain. I want to have you with Carlos. I want to have you in your leather. I want to have you with the bar. There was one yes. moment. I've Evan moments of like series that we should. Okay. 
So I have a Carlos and I call him Car. I don't know why I named him Carlos. I just like, he's a, a dildo that's about six inches around and just a pretty standard dildo size, I guess you could say like five or six inches and it's black and super soft silicon. And it's just like, I remember like breaking up with my ex, going to WeHo, walking into Chi Chi LaRue's and being like, I want that one. Yeah. And <laughs> I got home and I remember even on the way to the car, some guy like was like, Hey, what's up? What's up? Like trying to hit on me. And I was like, Mm-mm, like, it's not for you tonight. Like I have plans <laughs> with someone named Carlos. So <laughs> I have that. And then I have a big one, a huge one, which I haven't named yet. I guess we can call him big Carlos, but uh, it's like, like an eight incher, really thick, like big. Like when you look at it, it's like, Ooh. I remember my partner at the time was like, you're going to put that in your body? Like that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're like we're going to make it work. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I have the, a, a plethora of cock rings and a harness with a cock that attaches from the top to the bottom in a yes. cock ring, which I oh, love. Because yeah. when you walk around, you can feel it tugging yep. and it's like yep. so hot. I love it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. Do you have anything else that you need to say about your sex life that we haven't covered? I mean, I'm, I feel like there's so much more. Oh, there's three hours more left in here, yeah. but um, I guess the, the other biggest thing that we kind of touched on was like the whole subdom play, which I started off as kind of a joke because there was like this older daddy that found me on, I don't know if it was recon or grinder before I even met my current partner of six years, we've been talking on the internet and he'd be like, oh, I'd, I'd love to be submissive to a younger guy. And I was like, haha, okay, whatever. So he would ask me things like, oh, what can I do for you today, sir? And I was like, this guy is so crazy. Like, I can't believe he's like 55 and he's asking me like to do that. So I would just tell him to do things and he would say like, yes, sir, and do it. So I just kind of did it as a joke. I'm like, oh, like, I've... and as the time went on, I realized that as I was asking him to do more intense, like naughty, dirty things, he would do them. And I thought, oh, my God, I kind of like this. Um, long story short, like four or five years later, after talking to this guy, I find myself at a gay bar in Palm Springs because I had a job out there. And he shows up on Grinder, like 0.25 miles away or whatever. And he's like, oh, are you in Palm Springs? I'm in room whatever in this hotel. At that point. I couldn't really drive because I had a few drinks, but I had all my, my harness on with my jock strap and my boots and whatever. And I was like, fine, I'll walk over there. Oh I didn't, God. I didn't reply to him. He said, I, he just said, I'll be waiting in this room if you decide to come by. Oh my God. So I take my shirt off. I'm in my harness and my pants are like kind of unbuckled or whatever, but you can see my jock through it. Yeah. And I just kind of opened the door and he like is on all fours and he looks behind and he's like, I didn't know if you were going to come. And I just said, I just put my fingers to my lips and I said, like, be quiet, you know. And I just took my belt off. I started spanking him and whipping him and forced him to the bathroom and played out a whole subdom. We never exchanged words. I just remember stepping on him as I walked out the door and he was just like soaking wet and totally humiliated, but he loved it. Oh my God. <laughs> Afterwards, the next day, he was like, that was so awesome. Oh, my God. Yay. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. We're going to have to do a part two. 
What's your favorite thing about your sexual self? Oh my God. Do you just ask deep questions like that? <laughs> but I love how people's brains work and I love the feelings that people feel when they talk about sex. And I feel like those are the details most often left out by people when they tell me stories. I think my favorite thing about my sexual self is the primalness of it. Just the animalism, like not necessarily like animal role play, but I just mean like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like Superman, you take off your, your day work tucks and you're suddenly just you without any hats, without any roles, without any, any of it. And you're just like, my favorite thing about being sexual is that it's just so raw, yeah. you know, it's at the core. Okay. Lastly, if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? Oh, this is so easy. <laughs> 15, 16 years old, Brandon, that guy that came over and spent the night at your house and turned out to be gay later on in life. And you had so many chances. Why just to, why didn't you just get naked in bed together and do the dirty? <laughs> like, <laughs> we found out later we're both gay. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like we had so many chances. <laughs> do you want to ask me a sex question? I personally just want to know when we knew each other in high school, like we were in totally different places in our lives. I mean. Were you exploring yourself sexually then the way you are now? I had no idea. No. This this me is less than four years old. Like my kinky self, my discovery of my kinky self started in April. It'll be four years ago this year. So I was always highly aroused, mm-hmm. but I just had no idea. Like, and I look back and I feel so dumb because I was so flirtatious and I had so much desire and I just wanted attention, but I didn't know how to connect with people. And that remained consistent throughout college. Like I had so many attempts and failures. I couldn't like connect with people to do all the things I wanted, you know? Like, let me just tell you, even as like knowing that I'm gay and everything, like in high school, I feel like you were one of the hottest girls. Like all the guys I thought were into you. Like, <laughs> Okay, well, I didn't have that experience, but I did find out later on that my secret hookup buddy would like say complimentary things about me to his then girlfriend, you know, and then oh my and God. it was and it was when she walked up to me and was like, you're a whore. And I was like, what? Because I'd only kissed like two people and like hadn't like didn't even <laughs> like know I what am. fully. Yeah, I was like, I, I am? Oh, and then, you know, but it was like a very much a mean girls moment. <laughs> but I just remember seeing you in high school and thinking like, wow, she's beautiful. She's talented. She's a go-getter. Like, she's she must like have the whole high school thing figured out. Like, with all the guys, you know? <laughs> I guess that there's always two perspectives. <laughs> just a studious workaholic that like really was idealistic and like had so, so much desire, so little information about what to do with it. Like I didn't, I was giving blowjobs before I realized that those were sexual because I just liked it so much. (laughs) Like before I'm like, and someone described it as oral sex and I was like, oh. Oh yeah. Um, Okay, wait, one more question. Yeah. Is if you could go back to your like high school childhood self or whatever and give yourself like one specific sexual activity that you would have liked to have done at that point, what would it be and why? In high school? 
I was such yeah. a baby. I didn't know any. I mean, I, I just wanted to have sex. Like, I didn't have sex <laughs> until I was 19. And it, and I got rejected three times. But I can't even believe that. Like, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> I think if I could go back to my younger self and, like, gift her something. And in this fantasy, she's, like, ready and, like, yeah. grows emotional and maturity and whatever and is yeah. able to enjoy it. I would let her know what submission is and what it meant. Because mm. it. If I had understood the framework that kink comes with, the communication, the it, it's lowered my anxiety level so much. And I spent the first, I was 27, so that's, I spent the first eight years of my sex life being incredibly confused. Because you know, you know how a lot of people are like, well, you know, you can just tell. I can't yeah. tell. Like, I cannot tell. I don't read human emotions very, like, I'm just like, I'm wrong a lot. Sometimes I'm very right. I'm very good at pattern recognition, but like figuring out sneaky emotions, I don't yeah. have that skill. So I wish that I had just been like, Hey, there's this thing. It's called being submissive. Just learn about it and then talk about things and don't be afraid. Like <laughs> she would have been so yeah, happy. Absolutely. Like I would have been so happy if I've been like, yep, you can just lay there and get fucked. And that's your order. You'll love it. Do you find that you do a lot more verbal communication or nonverbal communication with your sexual partners? Depends with my master now. So I've I've had a master off and on for the last almost four years. Like he was the first Dom I explored with. During sessions now, we're pretty nonverbal. Well, he'll he'll give me orders, but I, when I go into subspace, will like gladly lose my words or I'll just sort of like mumble things. And he's actually pretty good at interpreting my mumbles. But I do make more of an effort to talk about stuff with him outside of the bedroom because I'm like, hey, I want to like, like, I love to talk about sex. So I want to talk about it with you. And I've definitely scared people on dating apps away mm -hmm. from me, which is probably a good filtration system, you know, but like, as I'm trying to meet new people, I'm probably now an over communicator. So I need to kind of like find the normal person balance or maybe I don't. So that's what I'm navigating right now. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I like to be explicit, but if I have enough trust with a person and enough experience with them, then I can be not explicit unless they're asking me to be in charge in some way, shape or form. And then I'm going to be like, but I need to know all of the limits and the rules so that I can treat you properly, you know? So, yeah. Because um, you don't want to overstep boundaries and then you break the headspace. Like, yes. Yes. And yeah. I'm, I'm a safety first caution, like anxiety person. Like I can't not notice yeah. all those details. So where can people find all your awesome stuff on the internet? <laughs> Well, if you want to see me in the red cockering harness, you can go to Leather Talk Mr. Bullet on Patreon. You can listen to my podcast by typing in Leather Talk in iTunes and Spotify. It's called Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. There we actually, we have men, women, trans, non-binary, the whole spectrum of people, but it, it is focused to the leather kink scene so so when i start exploring leather because my next thing is to like explore everything on my list slowly but surely. yeah come come on this show. come come listen to some of the show we have mistress going Alyssa. <gasps> we have another mistress coming on the show we have miss uh sanctuary leather 2020 which is a dungeon yeah 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 los angeles so so many wonderful women and, and just individuals who have come and shared their stories and so i just I want to thank you for having me on your show and, oh my God, and thank you probing my gay brain for all of the sexy talk. 